What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Varsity Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Guevara. And with me, as always, is Mr. Lupe Ramirez. And this is part two of our spring season wrap up and the last episode of the 2022-2023 season. But before we dive into that, welcome uh, finally back to Tucson, brother. It's been a minute since you got to uh, travel out here. Uh, how's everything been going since the last time we got to speak? Been pretty good. It, it wasn't a, a bad ride at all. It was actually pretty quick. Weather's been nice. I, I'm, I'm enjoying the, the wet dirt smell. So <laughs> let's, uh, let's get into it. Let's talk about the ALA Anthem South Titans. This year they went 0-20 and then 0-11 in section play. Their best game offensively came at the expense of the Dust Devils, and that score was 6-20 to with the Dust Devils winning. Those were the most runs scored in a single game for the Titans, and that was probably the only bright spot of the season this year for them. Um, it can only get better, and I, I got to ask you the same thing that I asked you with the Lady Titans. When do you think that they'll be able to get their first win? Oh, I think it can come next year. You know, I'm, I've seen teams uh, take major leaps from year to year, so definitely can be something to uh, pick up for next year. Of course, you get that extra year of uh, experience, you know, a lot of kids coming back. So I think what hurts this team, and I've said it over and over again, that they play in this 3A Central. Uh, we know, like, for football, they're actually moving down to 2A. Uh, so um, maybe you might see the same thing come uh, for their other programs. I uh, haven't heard anything yet. But I think if they do, you might see them uh, pick up some wins next year. But if they're still stuck in this 3A Central, I would see if they can maybe get some games scheduled where it's a, a fairer opponent, somebody that they can go toe-to-toe with and make a good game out of it. Do you think if they were able to reclassify from 3A to 2A that they would have a better chance at competing with those schools in, in that uh, region? Not speaking of our, our main 2A school in Santa Cruz because they're, they're one of the top, but would they be able to do better in a 2A region compared to the 3A South or, or uh, South Central? Um, That's tough to say. I mean, they still have to uh, go out there and prove that, you know, they can uh, put together some wins. I would say that dropping a level might help, um, but then again, it might hurt it. You, you never know. You know, they could be stuck in this same boat for a couple of years. But I think uh, as long as they're able to continue to build the program and have their coach um, make a culture there, then you can start seeing the improvements. Then, you know, I'd say uh, if it doesn't happen next year, definitely I could see it the year after. Now, that's something that we've mentioned quite a bit throughout our entire show and, and in multiple episodes is the culture. What Describe to our listeners what you mean by culture. What I mean by culture is having, having a purpose uh, when you're going out there, knowing who you're playing for and what you're playing for. Uh, usually a coach establishes a certain culture, whether they're going to just be a fundamental fundamentally sound team, whether they're going to be a team that travels, you know, wearing suits and, you know, uh, things like that. But on the field, what I mean by that is having your um, having a culture where you guys know what to do when the ball's hit to you, you know how to play the small ball, 
uh, type of game because we can see how much it affects other teams that are inexperienced in those fields. That culture hasn't been developed, but also a winning culture. Everybody, you know, wants to be a winner. And so um, if there's somebody in there that can stick around long enough to go through the bumps and go, you know, through through the uh, peaks and valleys, then you'll start seeing uh, players and students buy into those programs and want to participate more. But if there's no culture established, if you're jumping from coach to coach every year, then you're not going to really build anything for uh, that's going to interest a student athlete to go out there and play for that program. One thing that I I don't know, this is just me being me. I hope that they can upgrade their uniforms to be on par with the ALA Ironwood Warriors because the ALA Ironwood Warriors uniforms this year were just immaculate. Well, speaking of uh, the Warriors, uh, let's go into their season. Uh, they finished 9-14, and 14, but 7-5 uh, and five in the region. Uh, their best win came against uh, Coolidge where they won 18-3. to three. And even though they had a losing record, um, their region play tells me that they could bring back a good set of uh, players and uh, build something over there. How, how would you uh, say that that's going to pan out for them? Some of those key returning players that I have my eye on would be Caden Bray. He had 22 games played, and in those 22 games, he had a 275 batting average with 14 hits. And this was his first year on varsity. I'm also expecting Drew Rushing to come back with a better season next year. This year, he hit for 370 and had 10 stolen bases. And Ethan Buckner had a 228 ERA, and I'm expecting a lot more from those gentlemen from next year whenever spring rolls around. But in the same sense, they are losing a lot of players to graduation. Student athletes like Cooper Martinez, who batted 324 with 24 hits and 15 RBIs. Nathan Davenport had a 212 batting average with nine runs. They'll also be missing infielder Dean Wood, who had 23 games played himself with a 234 batting average and nine RBIs. Yeah, I wouldn't say that they're going to be missing too much when it comes to uh, their seniors graduating outside of uh, Cooper. Uh, but with the Warriors, uh, you know, I was very surprised at how well that um, how well they played in region play. You know, to have a winning record, especially in that stacked three um, A Central, it's something I, I think that they're going to build on. And I could say that if if anything, they'll be a five hundred or maybe even a few games above five hundred coming into next year. Next up is the Apache Junction Prospectors. Their overall record was 8-13, and and they went 6-4 and four in the region. Their best win was against Cortez at Cortez, 15-2. They were dominant from the start, and they had their runs basically scored in the first three innings. Their worst loss came against St. Mary's. It's, it was just an ugly shutout, 0-10. Some of the returning standouts that I'm expecting for next year is Connor Trisolier, the infielder who batted 387 and had nine RBIs with 16 games played as a freshman in varsity. Cody Clark was an infielder who had a 400 batting average, 12 hits, and nine runs. Rhett Reese is also another player I have my eye on who was batting 358 and also had 19 hits. And they'll be uh, losing four seniors. Uh, Andrew Knox, who uh, has two years of varsity experience. Dominic Elizondo, uh, who batted 227 with 10 hits and 11 RBIs. Uh, Jacob uh, Glasner, um, 
who uh, was a pitcher slash first baseman. He had a 0.88 ERA with 85 uh, strikeouts and a uh, 268 uh, batting average. All right, uh, Branscombe, uh, he played in 56 games and, and averaged uh, 257 with 36 hits and 27 RBIs. And he's a three-year player on varsity. With the prospectors, uh, they they have a uh, tough hurdle to get through, and that's uh, the Vista Grande uh, Spartans. But what have you seen from the prospectors this year that do you uh, think that they're going to continue to trend upward, or do you think that this might be the best it gets for them? I definitely think that. The, the way that the prospectors are progressing right now and and doing a lot better than previously expected, it's turning a lot of heads. They're not the same prospectors that you would expect to to have an easy game against. These these boys are just like the girls. They're they're competing in this region that that is very well for, you know, their style of play and everything. It is just when they, they go out and 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 play these non-section games where they're actually taking their biggest and worst losses. So I, I definitely think that they're on the right track. I, I, I don't know what necessarily would would be the key for them to, to overtake a school like Vista. I know that when it comes to schools like Dysart and Cortez, they actually do a very good job against them. So Very competitive. They, they just need to continue doing what they're doing and just, just build on the future. They have a bunch of key pieces returning, so I'll, I'll be looking forward to what they do next. All right, let's move into uh, the Casa Grande Cougars, who finished eight and fourteen this year. Oh, excuse me, eight fourteen and one this year, and three and seven in region play. This is a team that's going to be losing quite a bit of seniors this year. Mm-hmm. I believe it's six in total. Uh, some of them are Sean Simmons, who uh, batted three oh nine with thirty four hits and twenty five RBIs, and uh, he just committed to uh, Wilston uh, State uh, College. Uh, you got Cole Carmichael, another big bat, who batted 368 with 75 hits, 45 RBIs, and a four-year uh, starter on varsity. Abram Garcia, a 266 average, 34 hits, and 22 RBIs. Austin Graffius, who we know is a big bat and pitcher, he batted 298, had a 554 ERA, and 92 strikeouts, and he's going to be uh, heading to Grays Harbor College. You have uh, Jesus Gonzalez, who batted 174 with four hits and one RBI. Uh, Braulio Lopez, who didn't play uh, baseball until the uh, 1920 season uh, during COVID. Quite a big number of players than we're used to uh, for a program. How do the Cougars regroup, especially playing in a tough 5A region? We know how brutal it is uh, to play in that region. How do they regroup and and bounce back uh, coming into uh, next spring? Well, for me, I just feel like Coach Bettina just has to find the pieces that are going to at least mimic or give you the same amount of work as those pieces that are leaving, talking about Graffius, talking about Simmons, guys like that. Um, once he once he's able to find those uh, those players, that uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's just going to be plug and play. They didn't really have too much of a spectacular uh, record. They did make the playoffs, but they were uh, uh, taken out after their first game or or in their second game after taking down the Lake Havasu Knights. Um, Overall, it was an equitable year for for the Cougars. I I think that even though they're losing a large group of seniors, uh, I'm still optimistic that they'll fare justly in their 2023-2024 campaign. Any uh, highlighted players that you got circled for next year? Of course, there was Alterna Fatty Gant. 
who batted 219 with 16 hits and had a 4-5-6 ERA. Ramsey Rodriguez batted 220, had 9 hits, and had 6 ribbies himself. Chris Diaz-Cruz had a 276 batting average and a 475 on base percentage. With a 905 fielding percentage, those are definitely three players that I have on my radar that are going to be that are going to be looked at much more as leaders in the seasons to come. Okay, let's move on into the Coolidge Bears who finished 12-13 and 1 and 3 and 8 in region play. Had a, a big win this year over San Miguel winning 32 to 10. And they were in the uh, talks uh, for making the playoffs uh, in the later part of the season, something we were not used to uh, from Coolidge coming into last year. So you see Coolidge take a big step forward, first off crushing the amount of wins that they had from last year. Now it seems like they're establishing some over there. Uh, you know, Coach Rico has and his staff have definitely got uh, these players bought into his program. How do the Bears continue uh building what seems to be almost a playoff caliber team what i see is they need to come together that's that's one thing that in in any sport not just the bears and in any in any team you're gonna have everybody from all different walks of life on your team you're gonna have people from all different ages they're gonna have so many different you know family things you're gonna have to look beyond that and just try to work your best to to navigate everybody's not only feelings but talents as well and and understand that people are going to be talked to different than others and i feel that they have a lot of players on that team that are are more than capable of leading this entire team like you look at players like Salim Sesma you look at players like Michael Villa players that aren't necessarily filling it up on the stat sheet but at the same time they're big vocal parts of that Coolidge Bears team I feel like if the players on that team were able to be a little bit more cohesive to the point where they wouldn't allow small spats to interrupt not only the players' um, position in, in, in the game, but the, put the team's position in jeopardy as well when they leave or, or, or make a sudden uh, uh, rash decision. So I feel like stuff like that will, will help the Bears excel past their 12 wins and, and and be a more better team we've already seen that they've won an award the sportsmanship award with the aia so the fact that they were able to turn it around and and get the eyes of the aia on them with that turnaround it's brought notice to the spring sports here in the in the pinal county area uh some of the players are going to be losing um this year is going to be uh, Troy Davis, batted 301 with 37 hits, 21 RBIs. Junior uh, Enos, uh, batted 294 with a 455 on base percentage and five hits. And Anthony uh, Ruvalcaba, who batted 400 with 24 hits and 16 RBIs. So not, ver- not losing very many players. They're still a very young team. To me, um, I think the big step that they need to make first is going to be uh, small ball. You know what I mean? Learn what to do when the ball's hit to you. Learn different situational awareness type of uh, plays. So that way, when the ball is hit to you, you know what to do with it. I, I think number two is the maturity level. I'd, uh, being such a young team, uh, it tends to have 
a little bit of immaturity. Not saying that this team is immature by any means, but more so, like you said, having those leaders who know how to get their team to focus. And you know what? If it's one bad inning, it's okay. Bring them back together, regroup, and not let them hang their heads. Because I think with the young team, that's kind of the trend we've been seeing in all sports is that when you don't have that uh, mature leader on the team, you kind of see kids um, cave in and, you know, get enclosed. And and I would like to see Coolidge uh, continue to pick each other up because I started seeing that later on in the season. You know, speaking of the guys that you had uh, said were uh, real vocal in Salim and Michael. So as long as that can trickle down to the entire team, then it could be a team to keep our eyes on uh, in that 3A Central. And if you look alongside those players, there's some more players that are key to the Coolidge Bears' success next season. Patrick Perez, the outfielder and shortstop who batted 308 with 16 hits and also had 10 RBIs. Crushy P, Crush Pisano, the catcher who had a 282 batting average with 11 hits and a 952 fielding percentage. Another player I have my eye on is Riley Hamilton, the shortstop and pitcher who had a 417 batting average, 10 hits, and 11 runs as a freshman. Now, when you said something earlier about maturity, that's a, another thing with <clears throat> with the freshmen and all the other younger players that I would say for them to focus on. Focus on trying to understand and accept your mistake. And a part of that is accountability. And And being accountable doesn't necessarily mean to find an excuse. You don't need to have something to say when something goes wrong. If you strike out, you know, oh, well, you know, the, re- the umpire. No, 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 it wasn't the umpire. Just accept that you struck out and go back out there again. Like, there's no reason to be negative or to bring that negativity back into the dugout because that ultimately brings the morale of the team down. You want to be able to bring the team up and show your teammates that you're above getting upset over something small like a strikeout or even an error on a play. Mm-hmm. No, I definitely agree, and, you know, I hope to uh, continue to see Coolidge uh, trending upward. We know Coach Rico will, will get those uh, players uh, ready uh, for uh, next year. I know he's already talking about uh, some summer ball and fall ball uh, type of stuff, so they're already starting to get back to work, which is good to see. And he's uh, also been sending me a little bit of his concepts that he's thinking about for jerseys, and let me tell you, they do not disappoint. Well, let's dive into the Combs Coyotes, who finished 6-15, 0-10 in region play. Uh, the best win of the year came against Apache Junction, winning 11-0, while uh, they lost a heartbreaker uh, to ALA Gilbert North, uh, having to go into extra innings, losing 3-4. to four. Uh, They're going to be losing uh, four uh, seniors for next year. Peyton Eastman, who batted 286 with 26 hits and 13 RBIs. Connor McClellan, who batted 179 with an 881 fielding percentage and seven hits. Avery uh, Kasser uh, Ruano, who batted 243 with 18 hits and 16 RBIs. And Brandon Sather, who batted 426 with 26 hits and 10 RBIs. So Coach uh, Kimball, you know, uh, they have uh, a little bit of work to do. Uh, they play in the same region as Post and Butte, uh, which is, to me, another tough region in 4A. The Coyotes, for me, have to 
get better in the region first, first and foremost. You know, they got to pick up some wins there. You know, when you go six and five outside of your region and then majority of your losses come from in the region, you're not going to really turn many heads. And I think that if they start there and pick up a few wins here and there for next year, it could possibly uh, kickstart some for uh, the Coyotes. What would you say uh, needs to be the focal point? I think the focal point would be the same, is to focus on trying to get a win in that region. It is a very stacked and competitive region by every team in there, but there shouldn't be any reason that Combs goes winless. Much like the softball team, I think that Combs is on the come up. Let's talk about the Florence Gophers now. The Florence Gophers went 20-9 and and had a 6-5 and region record. Their best win was when they hosted Santan Foothills, beating them 6-4. to And it was a game where the Gophers showed their resilience as, as they stifled a Sabercats comeback, and they evened their season series. Their worst loss came at Safford, losing 2-11. to Well, a positive note for uh, Florence, I mean, the record speaks for itself. You know, I know they didn't go as far in the playoffs as they would have hoped, but definitely a team that I was really impressed with this year. You know, Coach Neal and his staff do a very good job on getting his team ready for anything. You know, whether they're going to bunt uh, players over or whether it's going to be a pitching duel or if they uh, need to put up uh, a whole bunch of runs. They are built for every aspect of the game. Unfortunately, they're going to be losing a lot of key pieces Um as far as their seniors that are going to be leaving, uh, Aiden Lopez had a 378 batting average, 28 hits, and 33 runs. And we know he's one of the aces uh, that that helped uh, pick up some wins uh, for the Gophers. Ryland Jordheim, Canada, a 364 batting average, 56 hits, and 42 runs. Juan Martinez, a 342 batting average, 40 hit, and 33 RBIs. And Anthony Pastorio, who had a thousand per, uh, percent of fielding percentage. I know he didn't get to bat quite as much as he would have hoped, but he, as he always says, hey man, I was just playing, uh, going to play with my boys. You know, football, he will always say that it's his sport, but you know what? He definitely played a big role defensively uh, for, uh, for the Gophers. Yeah, 10 in, in center field ha- had a big part in being a heart of that Florence baseball team. And like you said, it was another stellar year for Coach Neal and crew. Those losses of senior talent and leadership will not have a lingering effect on the Gophers because I feel like the boys in that area, they always come back with that Red Kingdom swagger. And some of them that I'm, I'm having uh, that feel that they're going to assume the leadership roles are going to be guys like Zane O'Rourke. This year, he batted 293 with 36 runs and had 22 hits. Young Tanner Gammons, who had a 328 batting average with 21 hits and 17 ribbies. And also Noah Madueno, who had a 450 average. 36 hits and 32 strikeouts. And Noah was a leader in a lot of their statistical categories throughout the entire season. So these boys are, are going to be the, the guys that I look to to be the replacements for those seniors that are graduating. Well, let's move on into the Maricopa Rams, who finished 12-9 and nine on the year, 4-6 uh, and six in region play. Uh, they're a team that's going to be losing uh, a handful of uh, seniors going into next year. Nolan Bandon, who batted 250 with 21 hits and 16 RBIs. Adrian Martinez, a 237 average, 
with 22 hits and 10 RBIs. Gabriel Bustos, a two-year uh, varsity player. Wilfredo Morales uh, batted 500 with a 500 slugging percentage and 500 on-base percentage. Ethan Palmer, a 331 average with 40 hits and 31 RBIs. Parker Lay uh, with 20 hits and 11 RBIs. And Eli uh, Levinen. So a lot of pieces leaving uh, the Rams. And for uh, baseball, um, Maricopa plays in uh, the 6A um, division. Losing this many players, how do you regroup from that, especially having a year where you were a couple of games above 500? I think that even though that it is a large amount of players that they're losing, that the, the production that those players would be giving up, they'll be able to find within their JV system. Um, their JV did pretty well this year too, so I feel like... Uh, those players that are moving up will be able to support other key returning players like Cody Galargo, Will Haskinson, Grayson Buckberger. And, and talking about those players, Cody had a 279 batting average with 19 hits and three home runs himself. Will Haskins had a batting average of 328 and had 21 hits with 10 RBIs. Grayson batted 302, had 16 hits and had nine RBIs. So with when you think about how they'll be able to, to recover, I think that they'll be just fine. All right, well, let's dive into the Post and Butte Broncos. They finished 18 and 9 and 7 and 3 in region play. The seniors they're going to be losing are Connor Lopez, who is the big bat and pitcher, who batted 471 with 41 hits and nine home runs, which is a new school record. He had a 193 ERA with seven wins and 81 strikeouts. Colin Atkins, he, uh, Batted 200 with 10 runs. Tanner McKenzie, another big bat, uh, batted 444 with 40 hits and four home runs. Samuel Russell batted 500 with three RBIs. Uh, Bryson Lopez batted 358 with 29 hits and 16 runs. Anthony Escamilla batted 277 with 23 hits and 21 uh, RBIs. A great season uh, for the Broncos. I thought they were on the brink of being able to uh, possibly win their region, but uh, came up uh, just a little bit short, but still good enough to make the playoffs. Um, picking up a win against uh, Thunderbird, you know, but they uh, ultimately ended up losing that heartbreaker to Mesquite, uh, one to zero. Uh, but still a lot to be uh, proud of when it comes to uh, the Broncos. How do you see their future? Uh, looking uh, when it comes to losing some big bats and, and a big ace on the mound. You can't replace a player like Connor Lopez. Connor Lopez is like one of those once in a, in a season type players. Like we had that last year with Angel Flores and Connor Lopez is that guy this year. The thing about Connor that is most impressive to me is that he's a multi-sport athlete. He kills it in football. He, he, when he comes into basketball, he kills it in basketball. And when he's done with basketball, he comes in and he kills it in baseball. Guys like that are once in a lifetime. That's why this Sun Devil recruit is going to be a name that we're going to hear constantly throughout our lives. I promise you. But th the one thing that I think would help Post and Butte uh, recover would be maybe not play so many games where they have back-to-back -back games against the same school. I feel like a little bit of more variation in their schedule would would be best for not only them, but everybody in their section, because it seems like everybody that they played back to back was in their section. Gotcha. Definitely a different perspective on it. But, you know, I, I think that 
the Broncos are going to be uh, just fine. They got, got a lot of pieces still returning. And, you know, it's always seems that this team can uh, cycle players in and out, you know, and and they'll get their opportunity to shine. And you're definitely going to see uh, that come from the Broncos next year. But let's move into the Santa Cruz Dust Devils, who finished 10 and 13, 5 and 5 in region play. And this is a team that had a tale of, of two uh, halves. First part of the season, we've seen them struggle uh, quite a bit, you know, uh, especially in tournament play. And we weren't sure if they were going to be able to bounce back from that. But come to the second half of the season, they turned things completely around. And I think that uh, they had a couple opportunities to possibly win their 2A region. And they did make the playoffs, which is another plus, you know, being three games under 500, you don't typically see that. But you see teams like Santa Cruz, Casa Grande, that even though they're playing tough opponents, they're playing very quality opponents that help out their strength of schedule. And I think that's what helped them uh, get back on track in the latter part of the year. Uh, They're only losing uh, two seniors in Manuel uh, Olvera who batted 290 with a 585 on base percentage and 20 runs. And Giovanni Rodriguez, who batted 667 with two hits and four RBIs. So a lot of their core comes from their freshmen and sophomores who are going to be the leaders of this team and can help get Santa Cruz, you know, not just barely making the playoffs, but winning a region championship and giving themselves a higher seed and get the respect that they deserve because I think, you know, they kind of get overshadowed by softball, you know, quite a bit. And that's just because of the successes of softball right now. But this is a team that that has the potential next year or in the coming years to be a really stellar team. Mm-hmm. And having players like Jonathan Ramos, who at catcher mm-hmm. batted 296, had 21 hits and 15 RBIs. Joaquin Ramos, the, outfield, the outfielder batted 316 had 18 hits, and had 13 runs batted in. And young Larry Ramos, the pitcher and catcher who had a 2.41 ERA, batted 2.06 and had 16 runs himself. And you can't forget about Daniel Contreras. The pitcher and infielder had a 1.94 ERA and had an on-base percentage of 4.03 with six hits as a freshman. So like you said, a lot of their, a lot of their young core could just use a, a little bit more experience. And, and one thing that I'm most curious about is the future of this young court and the possibilities of how some of these student athletes' potential winter sport changes will affect their springtime play. Um, I, I remember speaking to Jonathan Ramos. He, he had mentioned that he may not play basketball this next year, that he was possibly considering wrestling. You think about that you automatically assume that maybe he's going to get a little bit bigger. He's going to, he's definitely going to, he's, he could definitely very well slim out. You never really know. Depends on where he decides to wrestle at. If he does decide to get into wrestling. So stuff like that, I'm factoring in to the Santa Cruz's success next spring. Well, let's go into the Santan Foothill Sabercats who finished 17 and nine and nine and two in region play coming up a little bit short uh, in the region championship, uh, losing to Valley Christian, who we know is just a monster of a program. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Sabercats, I mean, what a turnaround from we we'll always say that about them, because in every sport, I think that they excelled 
way more than what we thought they were going to uh, do uh, from the beginning of the year. You know, uh, they are very senior heavy, though. Yes. Uh, so, um, so I'm interested to see how uh, their returning players and players that are coming up from JV can help the loss of uh, some big names. I mean, uh, Dimitri Finch batted 345 with 49 hits and 29 RBIs. Bo Cotherman. 516 batting average, 32 hits, and 21 RBIs. I think for the longest, he was, if not still, the number one uh, batter as far as average is concerned mm-hmm. um, in Pinal County. The dual man, uh, Roy Kimball Martin, who batted 474 with 27 hits and 27 RBIs. That doesn't even include uh, what he did on the mound because he definitely was a presence uh, when he had the ball in his hand. Roy can throw. Christian uh, Pasquale, 289 average, 11 hits, 12 RBIs. Matthew Rodriguez, a 382 average, 79 hits, and 55 RBIs. Joseph Buenrostro batted 200 with six hits, 10 runs. Zach Melendez batted 111 with the 385 on base percentage and three RBIs. This uh, definitely has to be a team that over excelled when it com- came to our expectations. And you know what? They happened to just run into a team that they had played in their region which was uh, the Valley Christian uh, Trojans. And as I said, uh, this was a team that not very many uh, 3A teams can say that they beat this team. You know, uh, so for uh, Santan Foothills to be able to hang with them, you know, I'm beyond proud of what they accomplished this year. And, you know, I know that if they can uh, get some uh, pieces filled, uh, we could possibly see this team uh, running back again next year. Yeah, there are a lot of spaces on that roster that are definitely going to need some filling. But let's talk about the players that we know that are definitely coming back. Players like David Robiloth, who will have a senior season next year. In his junior season, he batted 432 with 32 hits and 24 RBIs. Can't forget about the man behind the plate, Cohen Scott. The catcher batted for 458 with 33 hits himself, 27 RBIs, and a couple of dingers I was able to see myself. Pitcher Braden Morton who has a 351 batting average with 59 hits and 22 runs batted in. And then I can't forget Landon Redman, who batted 321 with nine hits and five RBIs. All four of those gentlemen, I expect a a much bigger growth from them as far as remembering this season and carrying on that legacy into the next season and and making sure that they carry on that culture of Santan baseball. You got to give a ton of credit to coach Ryan Sutterby. What he was able to do with that team was simply amazing. This was definitely a team that I will remember as one of the most charismatic, intelligent, and and talented groups that we have have followed in our short amount of time doing Pinal County coverage. Uh, let's move on into uh, the Sequoia Pathway Pumas. Finished uh, 0-17 and 0-10 in region play. Um, just like uh, the softball program, it's a program that is still developing. You know, uh, there are some players to keep your eye on from uh, this team, which is Cooper Yazzie, Aaron Hendricks, Bradley Carpenter, and Brody Hall. Although they didn't pick up a win this year, it's definitely given them uh, some experience going into next year. I know it's... Like I said, it's just a program that is uh, trying to find their identity. You know, I think this is back-to-back uh, seasons where they d- haven't had a win. So um, that's where they got to start first. You know, what do they have to do to put all the pieces together to go out and pick up a victory? Because there's definitely some opponents out there in uh, the 2A division that they can pick up victories from. You know, but at the same time, 
one of the things I always say is they're not known for their spring sports as in softball and baseball, you know, and it all goes back to me saying, I think a lot of the talent goes elsewhere in order to play. And that's why you're not seeing the development yet when it comes to the Pumas. All right, now let's jump into our final team, the Vista Grande Spartans. The Spartans finished their season 16-10 and and a perfect 10-0 and in the 4A Black Canyon region, making them the 4A Black Canyon region champs. Their best win came at ALA Gilbert North, where they shut them out 10-0. to And it's you love to see a school get a big win over a big-name program like that. And their worst loss, unfortunately, came to a Tucson team as Walden Grove beat them 1-10. to They have quite a few players that are going to be graduating this year, four to be exact. Number four, Braxton Stewart. He batted 384 and had 28 hits and three home runs. Number eight, Trent Chavez. He had a 324 batting average, 44 hits, and 36 RBIs. Number 11, Logan Brubeck. Had a 417 batting average, 11 RBIs, and a 923 fielding percentage. Number 14, Jaden Fanholes, had a 271 batting average, 45 hits with 38 RBIs, and he is a Central Lakes College commit. Go Raiders. I feel like whenever I say that, I can't just say go Raiders. I gotta say, hey, go Raiders. <laughs> Man, you sound like those kids that, uh, uh, the college kids, when they uh, talk real fast on what school they go to and everything, like. <laughs> You know, my name is Daniel Guevara and I go to the University of Arizona. Go Cats! You know, that's how you sound right now. No, but uh, definitely uh, a great season uh, for the Spartans. Uh, You know, can't can't take that away from them. I mean, they have a lot of key players uh, returning as well. One of them being the uh, Black Canyon Region Player of the Year, Sebastian Hidrago, who batted 410 and also had a 298 uh, ERA. So he's going to have a big role to play in the successes uh, for the Spartans coming in the next year. Ivan Lara batted 274, had a 1.26 ERA and 14 RBIs. So another uh, pitcher uh, that they can count on as well as a good bat. Jordan uh, Rael batted 205 with a 456 on base percentage and 22 runs. And Nick Valdez who had a 242 average with 16 hits and 11 RBIs. And before we wrap up uh, the Spartans, we got to send a big congratulations uh, to uh, head coach Harley Grigg and his staff as uh, Coach Grigg was named the uh, 4A Black Canyon Region Coach of the Year. So all around, you can see the successes of the Spartans and what type of program they have over there. And it isn't just the players that they have on this team. It's also the coaching. We know uh, Coach Griggs uh, staff behind him do a big part in getting exposure uh, to their players, not only uh, players of the game, but even keeping us updated with the breakdown of stats and everything. Their graphics are amazing. So, you know, I got to give it up to uh, the Spartans when when it comes to their all around uh, efficiencies of bringing awareness and exposure to their players, but as well as having a program that is always competitive year in and year out and you know that they're going to be hungry coming into next year after uh, making it to the playoffs this year 
Definitely. The Spartans program will continue to produce quality student athletes that have proven to excel in the next level. Uh, we talked about it in the last episode where I was at Wingstop and I happened to see Selena Perez, you know, on TV mm-hmm. with, with Long Beach. And shout out Long Beach for winning the Big West Championship. And, and you know, that's that that recognition is very well deserved. And, and with 4A Black Canyon Region Coach of the Year, Coach Harley Grigg, a man that you and I are, are both, you know, well accustomed to. This team is a force to be reckoned with. I anticipate them to do better and better as the years go by. And that will wrap up our 13 baseball teams. Uh, congratulations to each and every one of the teams. You know, uh, for some, if you feel like this was not good enough, hey, we hope that that feels a little bit of a fire for you guys to come out and pull a Santan Foothills out of nowhere and have a successful season to pull out a Coolidge Bears uh, type of season, you know, and for the ones that are on the brink of, you know, excelling uh, in the playoffs, you know what, keep it going because you know what, we support you guys no matter what, no matter how the seasons turn out. We just want to be that voice to help uh, spread the word about you guys. And you guys did a great job amongst yourselves to uh, bring that exposure to your programs and to yourself as a player and student athlete so you know it's crazy that we are officially done with season two a lot of roller coasters of emotions because you know what we got to say goodbye to some amazing uh, student athletes that we got to meet over the year and we hope that you guys have an amazing time out at college and you show them why Pinal County has some amazing student athletes that are hidden gems out here. So, you know, if you're a scout or you're a, a coach that's listening to this, come out and take a look because in every one of these programs, I guarantee you, you'll find a couple of student athletes and that's in both the softball and baseball programs. That's in basketball. That's in football. We just need to, as a community, continue to spread the word of what's going on out here. And we hope uh, that coming into this summer, uh, we can bring in some players that are going to be departing to college, catch up with some players that attended their first year of college and uh, bring on some coaches as well, because I know that we would like to hear uh, their thoughts, uh, you know, on their teams and uh, what they expect going into uh, the uh, 23-24 season. That's right. I, I can't believe that this year is already done as far as as spring sports is concerned. And and it was an experience like it was something that I'll, I'll never forget. And like you said, there's so many student athletes that we've come in contact with in just this short amount of time. And 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 it's it's just exciting to see them move on and and to keep Pinal County in people's brains, you know, in the back of their mind, because one thing that's undeniable is that the. The state's reach is everywhere. We have students in just about every city, every state, and, and and that's a wonderful thing. Like I'm, I'm so excited that we have so many players moving on to the next level, and and not only moving on to the next level, but moving on into to further states. Like you think about kids like Belkham Namgambe. He's going to Montana. That's a big, big culture, ch- you know, change and shock from coming from this, you know this oven that we know as, you know, Arizona. So, you know, players like him and then, then, like you said, bringing on players, you know, coming back, talking to Demetrius Escueta, talking to him about his experience in Upper Iowa because, if I'm not mistaken, I was – on Snapchat the other day where he is always on and <laughs> and I saw that he was in Casa Grande and, and when he's there, the one thing that he's there is asking for wide receivers, DBs, and uh, quarterbacks, you know, to come in and get work. You love to see that. And, mm-hmm. and I'm excited that 
that the summer is here and that we're able to to catch up with guys like him. And like you said, I, I look forward to having some of the coaches on there. There's so many coaches that I can't wait to, to just catch up with and get their side of the story, because that's one thing that I feel like, you know, having me and you, we have our, our own opinions and perceptions. It, let's get somebody else's out there and in and, and a more in-depth one, because they're actually out there living it. No, most definitely. And uh, before we uh, wrap things up, uh, just a little bit of an update on uh, things. Uh, as you stated uh, last week, uh, we're going to be becoming uh, NFHS affiliates. We're actually going to be signing the paperwork uh, when uh, we wrap up uh, this episode. Uh, so if uh, you guys are interested in uh, streaming services, uh, we are going to be doing that full time. So if you know whether it's a high school event, uh, junior high, uh, Pop Warner, anything you can think of that you want broadcasted, we have a team we put together to get things started and um, put that out into the into the market and see where things go. You know, because uh, once uh, streaming takes off, you know, we're going to get very busy very quickly. And lastly, uh, we got some awards uh, that we're going to be uh, getting ready to give out when it comes to uh, baseball and softball. Uh, we're going to be having our breakout uh, players for each uh, sport as well as our coaches of the year. And you have our three nominees for each category. Would you care to uh, share that with the viewers? Yes, I will. This is the first time we're actually ever sharing our nominees because this is something that we usually just keep private to ourselves and then we just end up selecting the winner and announcing it. But this year's coaching nominees for Varsity Breakout Coach of the Year is Vista Grande's Harley Grigg, Santan Foothill's Ryan Sutterby, and Coolidge's Justin Rico. Our Varsity Breakout Coach of the Year for softball nominees are Coach Des Gill from Casa Grande, Tom Dugan of Maricopa, and Mickey Shea of ALA Ironwood. Let's get into our player nominees. Our varsity breakout player nominees for softball are Shaughnessy Serrano of the ALA Ironwood Lady Warriors, Kayla Hunt of the Coolidge Lady Bears, and Leah Montez of the Maricopa Lady Rams. Our men's varsity breakout player of the year for baseball, our nominees are Roy Kimball Martin of Santan Foothills, Connor Lopez of Poston Butte, and Sebastian Hidrago of Vista Grande. Congratulations to all the nominees. We'll be announcing the winners here soon. We're going to be posting the awards for our basketball winners here shortly and definitely getting in contact with these winners and also getting in contact with people that we're going to look forward to starting this summer podcast series with. Yeah, so stay tuned for the summer series. And I think we're going to start kicking uh, off that series out in ALA Ironwood, uh, getting a hold of a quarterback who's off to uh, Ottawa University. So um, if you know that player, uh, you'll definitely want to tune in. He's a great spirit, and I can't wait to hear uh, what he expects uh, for uh, the Warriors coming into next year, as well as um, what he expects uh, when he heads out to Ottawa. So uh, stay tuned for that. And if you ain't got nothing else, brother, we'll leave it right there, and we'll see you next week. Take it easy.